Chapter Twenty of the Garden of Eden by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The evil at heart, when they wish to take, seem to give. Said Abraham, mouthing the words with his withered lips, and he came to one of his prophetic pauses. The master of the garden permitted it to the privileged old servant, who added, "Now, Benjamin is evil at heart." He did not ask for the horse," said David, who was plainly arguing against his own conviction. Yet he knew. The ancient face of Abraham puckered. Poor white trash, he muttered. Now and then one of those quaint phrases would break through his acquired diction, and they always bore home to David a sense of that great world beyond the mountains. Matthew had often described that world, but one of Abraham's odd expressions carried him in a breath into cities filled with men. His absence is cheaply bought at the price of one mayor, continued the old servant soothingly. One mayor of Rostier's blood. What is the sin for which the Lord would punish me with the loss of Chakra? And I miss her as I would miss a human face. But Benjamin will return with her. He did not ask for the horse. He knew you would offer. He will not return? Never then I shall go to find him. It is forbidden. Abraham sat down cross-legged and watched with impish self-content while David strode back and forth in the patio. A far-off neighing brought him to a halt, and he raised his hand for silence. The neighing was repeated more clearly, and David laughed for joy. A horse coming from the pasture to the paddock, said Abraham, shifting uneasily. The day was old, and the patio was filled with a clear, soft light preceding evening. It is Chakra, Chakra, Abraham. Abraham rose. A yearling, it is too high for the voice of a grown mare. The distance makes it shrill, Abraham. Abraham, cannot I find her voice among ten all neighing at once? Then beware of Benjamin, for he has returned to take not one but all. David smiled at the skinny hand, which was raised in warning. Say no more, he said solemnly. I am already to blame for hearkening to words against my brother Benjamin. You yourself had said that he tempted you. Because David could find no ready retort, he grew angry. Also think of this. Your eyes and your ears are grown dull, Abraham, and perhaps your mind is missed it also. He had gone to the entrance into the patio and paused there to wait with a lifted head. Abraham followed and attempted to speak again, but the last cruel speech had crushed him. He went out on the terrace, and looking back saw that David had not a glance for him. So Abraham went feebly on. I have become as a false prophet, he murmured, and I am no more regarded. His life had been long in its evening, and now, at a step, the darkness of old age fell about him. From the margin of the lake, he looked up and saw Connor ride to the patio. David, at the entrance, clasped the hand of his guest while he was still on the horse and helped him to the ground. This, he said solemnly, is a joyful day in my house. What's the big news? inquired the gambler and added, why so happy? Is it not the day of your return? Isaac, Zacharias. They came running as he clapped his hands. Set out the oldest wine and there is a haunch of deer that was killed at the gate. Go! And now, Benjamin, 
Did Chakra carry you well and swiftly? Better than I was ever carried before. Then she deserves well of me. Come hither, Chakra, and stand behind me. Truly, Benjamin, my brother, my thoughts have ridden ten times across the mountains and back, wishing for your return. Connor was sufficiently keen to know that a main reason for the warmth of his reception was that he had been doubted while he was away, and while they supped in the patio, he was even able to guess who had raised the suspicion against him. Word was brought that Abraham lay in his bed seriously ill, but David Eden showed no trace of sympathy. Which is the greater crime, he asked Benjamin a little later, to poison the food a man eats or the thoughts in his mind? Surely, said the crafty gambler, the mind is of more importance than the stomach. Luckily, David bore the main burden of conversation that evening, for the brain of Connor was surcharged with impatient waiting. His great plan, he shrewdly guessed, would give him everything or else ruin him in the Garden of Eden, and the suspense was like an eating pain. Luckily, the crisis came on the very next day. Jacob galloped into the patio and flung himself from the back of Abra. David and Connor rose from their chairs under the arcade where they had been watching Joseph setting great stones in place around the border of the fountain pool. The master of the garden went forward in some anger at this unceremonious interruption. But Jacob came as one whose news is so important that it overrides all needs of conventional approach. A woman, he panted, a woman at the gate of the garden. Why are you here, said David sternly. A woman. Man, woman, child, or beast, the law is the same. They shall not enter the Garden of Eden. Why are you here? And she rides the gray gelding, the son of Yoruba. At that moment, the white, trembling lips of Connor might have told the master much, but he was too angered to take heed of his guest. That which has once left the garden is no longer part of it. For us, the gray gelding does not exist. Why are you here? Because she would not leave the gate. She says that she will see you. She is a fool. And because she was so confident, you are weak enough to believe her. I told her that you would not come, that you could not come. You have told her that it is impossible for me to speak with her, said David, while Connor gradually regained control of himself, summoning all his strength for the crises. I told her all that, but she said nevertheless she would see you. For what reason? Because she has money with which to buy another horse like her gelding, which is old. Go back and tell her that there is no money price on the heads of my horses. Go. When Ephraim is at the gate, there are no such journeyings to me. Ephraim is here, said Jacob stoutly, and he spoke much with her. Nevertheless, she said that you would see her. For what reason? She said because. Because of what? That word was her only answer, because. This is strange, murmured David, turning to Connor. Is that one word a reason? Go back again, commanded David grimly. Go back and tell this woman that I shall not come and that if she comes again, she will be driven away by force. And take heed, Jacob, that you do not come to me again on such an errand. The law is fixed. It is as movable as the rocks in the mountains. You know all this. Be careful hereafter that you remember. Be gone. The ruin of his plan in its very inception threatened Ben Connor. If he could once bring David to see the girl, he trusted in her beauty and her cleverness to effect the rest. 
but how to lead him to the gate. Moreover, he was angered, and his frown boded no good for Jacob. The old servant was turning away, and the gambler hunted his mind desperately for an expedient. Persuasion would never budge this stubborn fellow, so used to command. There remained the opposite of persuasion. He determined on an indirect appeal to the pride of the master. "'You are wise, David,' he said solemnly. "'You are very wise. These creatures are dangerous, and men of sense shun them. Tell your servants to drive her away with blows of a stick, so that she will never return.' "'No, Jacob,' said the master, and the servant returned to hear the command. "'Not with sticks, but with words, for the flesh of woman is tender. That is hard counsel, Benjamin.' He regarded the gambler with great surprise. "'Their flesh may be tender, but their spirits are strong,' said Connor. The opening he had made was small. At least he had the interest of David, and through that entering wedge he determined to drive with all his might. "'And dangerous,' he added gravely. "'Dangerous,' said the master. He raised his head. "'Dangerous? As if a jackal dared to howl in the hearing of the lion.' "'Ah, David, if you saw her you would understand why I warn you.' It would be curious, in what wise does her danger strike? That I cannot say. They have a thousand ways. The master turned irresolutely toward Jacob. You could not send her away with words. David, for one of my words, she has ten that flow with pleasant sound, like water from a spring, and with little meaning except that she will not go. You are a fool. So I felt when I listened to her. There's an old saying, David, my brother, said Connor that there is more danger in one pleasant woman than in ten angry men. Drive her from the gates with stones. I fear that you hate women, Benjamin. They were the source of evil, for which penance was done. The penance followed the sin. God who made the mountains, the rivers, and this garden and man, he made woman also. She cannot be all evil. I shall go. Then remember that I have warned you. God who made man and woman made fire also. And is not fire a blessing? He smiled at his triumph and this contest of words. You shall go with me, Benjamin. I never. In what is the danger? If you find none, there is none. For my part, I have nothing to do with women. But David was already whistling for Glani. One woman can be no more terrible than one man, he declared to Benjamin, and I have made Joseph who is great of body, bend like a blade of grass in the wind. Farewell, said Connor, his voice trembling with joy. Farewell, and God keep you. Farewell, Benjamin, my brother, and have no fear. Connor followed him with his eyes, half triumphant, half fearful. What would happen at the gate? He would have given much to see, even from a distance, the duel between the master and the woman. At the gate of the patio, David turned and waved his hand. I shall conquer. And then he was gone. Connor stared down at the grass with a cynical smile until he felt another gaze upon him, and he became aware of the little beast, eyes of Joseph, glittering. The giant had paused in his work with the stones. What are you thinking of, Joseph? asked the gambler. Joseph made an indescribable gesture of hate and fear. Of the whip, he said, I also opened the gate of the garden. On whose back will the whip fall this time? End of chapter 20